Ariza blocked by Bogut. Good recovery by Andrew Bogut. Let's get Rogue. Welcome to Rogue Bogues Basketball Series. Back for another week. Myself and Pro. News from the US. Bogues, when I'm on my deathbed, probably in the next six to eight months, I'm going to be looking back and say, you know, I wish I had this two and a half hours back, you know, from watching this fucking pathetic fucking game tonight with the. Uh, just yeah. finished for those out there. We're rec- time of recording the game between game three between Boston and Miami just finished, and it was a it was a throw up and a half. It was the most pathetic performance I've ever seen a team that was against the wall. You know, supposed to be a championship level team. You think they'd have come out with some type of toughness fight? I mean, give me a fucking break. Seriously, it it was the most pathetic performance I've ever seen. From a game three, a team down 0-2. If I'm ownership, nobody's key card's working tomorrow. And I'm going to say, you know what? Until further notice, nobody's fucking key card's going to work. That was that was pretty bad from top to bottom. <laughs> really bad. Well, the good news is they're not going home to Boston. They've got game four in Miami. That's so why I said it. <laughs> it could be straight sets and, straight, straight sets and out anyway. Um, but man, they, they just... They look horrible. Um, and I think you have to give credit to Miami too. They've taken out of the, a, a lot out of their shit. They've ran that 3-2 zone a little bit. They've, they're packing the paint on every possession. They're making guys like Grant Williams and and uh, Robert Williams and Al Horford. They're making them finish in the paint on rolls. Um, it just it, – I, I don't know. But it just looks so bad. I think it's complete – you know, two teams, one in great form, one, in, one, one kind of thinking they're just going to coast through and – Miami moved the ball more. Their defense is much better. They look together. Boston look like they hate each other. Now, it could be, you know, people will say, oh, it's an overreaction. They're still in the conference finals. But when you can usually see how close a team is when things go astray. You know, when a team goes on a 5-0 run or a 10-0 run or a 12-2 run, and, you know, if, or Boston's example is they can't make a shot. You see how they – are they huddling up every possession? Are they getting together? Are they just trying to figure things out? Or are they, are they fraying and going individual? They went individual. Uh, they went super individual, and it was noticeable in that game today. As soon as there was a bit of adversity, you know, I felt like in the first half, Miami thought, oh, we're still in it. We'll be okay. We'll get to halftime. We're down 15. Who cares? Whatever we're down, 15, 20, we'll get to halftime. We'll regroup. And then as soon as Miami punched them again in the third quarter, started that third quarter, it was like, oh, yeah, no, nah, this is going to be too hard. Uh, don't worry about it. But um, there was a, a good quote. It's from uh, Jay Richard Goodman on Twitter. Uh, give him a follow. He's actually – I think he's a big Warriors fan, but he does a lot of – analysis about NBA games and high school basketball and college. And it was a pretty simple quote, but it said, Heat play off the pass, Celtics play off the bounce. And I thought that was a very, very good quote, bro, because it it, it really puts into perspective what this series is. What he means by that, for those not too familiar with, with in-depth in basketball, is obviously the Heat just move the ball, man. They don't – they guys ever really over-dribble. They make the right play not open, I'm going to swing it. And, and it's gone side to side. Boston's in all sorts trying to close out, close out, you know, <laughs> protect the roller, get in the paint, close out. And you look at the other end in Boston, it's ISO Tatum, ISO Brown, maybe a pick and roll, maybe one ball swing, that's it. And it's very easy to guard. And, and we see a, a great example of that this series, Pro. It's kind of two polar opposites. Similar to the, actually similar to the Lakers and uh, Nuggets as well. It was probably the similar vein, but I think this one's even Folks, more glaring. For the first time in trainer history, tomorrow morning, first thing in workouts, let's do the Duncan Robinson, the Caleb Martin, and the Gabe Vincent. 
There's not going to be any Jason Tatum's. There's not going to be no, yo, we're going <laughs> to see this move Brown did last night. Jimmy Butler, no, fuck that. We're doing the Duncan Robinson, the Gabe Vincent, and the Caleb Martin. Duncan Robinson, dead to rights last year. Seven for 11 tonight, five for seven and three. He's been playing great. Fucking Caleb Martin, seven for 11, four for seven for three, 18 points. Gabe Vincent, Gabe Vincent, 11 for 14, six for nine from three, 29. So role players, anybody listening to the podcast, their role play, look, you need championship level players for sure. You need great franchise type players. But the role players are the ones that are gonna really solidify you in big games. And people who could just stretch everything out so it doesn't have to put so much pressure. Like Boston, like Boston, Tatum Brown, Tatum Brown, Tatum Brown, Tatum Brown, Tatum Brown. And that's it. And if you shut those two down, they'd have bad nights. They got no chance, especially when they're playing with no heart at all. And it's just a you know, shout out. Look, you've been hearing it, right? We're sick of hearing about heat culture, sick about hearing seven undrafted players, but you got to talk about it because those two things is what is winning these games for them. The co- everybody's yeah, well, you look at their yeah. roster. Let me read you their roster. All right, you got Jimmy Butler and Bam at yeah. a bio, right? Okay, two, two, two very good players. Caleb Martin, Max Strauss, Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry, Kevin Love, Cody Zeller. That's a that's. Roughly an eight seed, <laughs> roughly to where they are an in a regular seed. season, right? On that on an paper, it's an intramural. It's an intramural yeah, team. It's an intramural team. Yeah, but, you, but that, that's why you have to appreciate what they're doing. They're just they are absolutely, you know, they're just they're just come to play. And, and look, Tyler Hero is out, right? I think it's been a blessing in disguise I, for him. Yeah, honestly, I'm not a Hero fan. You know, you, you don't want to shit on. Yeah, you don't want to shit on Hero too much. He's a gunner offensively. Look, he's going to either get you 30 or he's not going to be much of a presence at all because he's really not a defensive player. But he's not playing minutes now. Now you've brought in more minutes for Martin and Vincent who are two-end players. Like, they, And they've probably, they've probably over-excelled offensively this series. You know, they, they really have. They've both played out of their minds offensively and shot the hell out of the ball from three. But they guard, man. Both those guys are dogs. They guard. Then you mix in Kyle Lowry. Guards, plays both ends of the floor. Jimmy Butler, guards. Bam Adebayo, guards, can switch one through five. Strauss battles, like, man, you got, like, there's really no no real, I mean, Kevin Love's not the greatest defender. Zeller's okay, pretty good, okay, big presence, like average. And Duncan Robinson's not a great defender, but the rest of the guys that are playing their bulk of their minutes, they can all play defense. So all of a sudden, you know, Boston can't find Tyler Hero to put him in action with Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. It's like, okay, you want to you put us in action? You're basically switching from Jimmy to Caleb Martin. Good luck, or Jimmy to Gabe Vincent. Gabe, uh, you know, good luck, or Strauss. Like, and that's been a difference in this series. And I think, look, I think Tyler needs to be healthy for him in the finals to have a chance. If they obviously they should get through, it's three three zero as we speak. They 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 need as many um, cattle as they can healthy because he's going to provide a scoring punch because that's where Miami can kind of slow down. But man, you read that roster out and you're like, how how is this going on and you got to give credit to the Miami Heat. And you've spoken about it a lot. We were kind of sure. off the train, as I think most people were in the regular season. They were they were a basket case during the regular season. They're inconsistent. Yes, they had some injuries, but so did everyone. They just didn't look like that that Heat team that we spoke about the last three or four years, Heat culture. And now that's whatever every journalist is talking about, that Heat culture. And it's been great to watch. It's just great to see Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent get the better of, you know, um, Brown and Tatum. 
right? <laughs> and they're like undrafted guys that aren't earning a lot of money. It's, it's just nice to see for a change in the NBA program. Yeah, folks, the, the interesting thing, um, what's going to happen with this Heat team in the offseason, and look, I, I, we'll talk about the offseason, you know, obviously in future shows, um, but like what are they going to do? Because a lot of these guys – um, a lot of these guys are free agents at the end of the year. And it's it's going to be interesting with like Hero. It, I don't think Hero got extended yet. So Hero's a, Hero's, Hero's a free agent. So what are they going to do with him this summer? I think they're going to deal him, to be honest with you. But Gabe Vincent, uh, free agent, you know, restricted, of course. Max Drews restricted. You know, they've got the best cap guy in the league, Andy Ellisberg. And no, no, Hero, Hero had his extension, pro. Just oh, he did. I'm sorry. I signed that extension. I didn't, right, I didn't put it in. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 owed. He starts next season. Twenty seven million, twenty nine million, thirty one, thirty three. So he's sound guy. I don't want you to fucking take this out. I want people to know how much of a fucking <laughs> moron that I am that I didn't pay attention to that. But yeah, <laughs> I know now. But like right. now, what do you do? Like because now, you know, you still got um, you. You, know, you still got some money coming, like Kyle Lowry's got one year, 29. You got, you know, obviously now Hero's contract. But Gabe Vincent, free agent. Strews, free agent. Restricted, restricted. So with the new cap rules and things, it's be, it'd be interesting. Yeah, they're in some trouble. That, in that mindset, they are. Because Duncan Robinson's still making 18, 19, yeah. and 19. Um, Bam's, Bam and Jimmy are, you know, big dollar guys, obviously. But can you afford to keep Gabe Vincent? Caleb Martin's... On the books for six and a six point eight, and then seven point one on a what is that? A team option or a player option? Um, player option. And this isn't going to be a Golden State deal where they're going to have to cut like a nine eight hundred million dollar ta tax check, even if they re-sign uh. these guys. My opinion: What's going to happen? Tyler Hero is going to be dealt, and they're going to re-sign Strauss, Vincent, because. They learn to win this way. Not that these guys are better than Hero. I just think they fit this team better than Hero because now, especially in that culture, in yeah, that, in that club for sure. I totally agree. Ball stops with Butler and Adebayo. In a sense, the ball's got to move with these other guys, and it's not going to move with Hero. Hero's a big over dribbler. He's a big ISO guy. He's a big find my own shot guy. So, my opinion, I think you deal him. You know, look, Danny Ainge, well, you know, loved Hero in the draft. It'd be interesting if he he went after him. There will be suitors. There'd be plenty of guys that want him. But look, let's let's you know, let's get back to the game. I mean, it was just such a bad look for the Celtics. They had no heart. They played no defense. Their their shots just came bad shot after bad shot after bad shot, and it, you can't you can't defend them. Look, I know Joe Mazzulla's was. You know, defending his guys in press conferences the first couple of games. You cannot defend them. This is undefendable. This is there's no defense with this. They didn't play. They didn't come to play. They play with no heart. And all this talk, talk, talk. You know what I'm tired of seeing, folks? I'm tired of seeing teams that don't show up and then fucking guys come out to shoot after the game. You know, like I'm tired of <laughs> the talks in the fucking lot, like the locker room talks, the fucking huddle talks. How many fucking, how many Martin Luther King speeches does Horford have to give in the huddle to get these guys revved up? Vince Lombardi speeches to get fucking revved up. As you're an NBA player, this is the problem with players today. It's a lot of talk. It's a lot of lip service. You hear the same shit over and over again. Instead of you guys say, you know what? Fuck this talk. We're going to go out and we're going to play. And you know what? They were distracted as fuck. 
All right, all every call. Like I'll tell you what, Tatum's been good the first couple of games. Actually, throughout the playoffs, with not chirping at the refs as much. Today he lost it. Smart lost it tonight. You know, coaching staff lost it tonight. With like they were distracted with referee stuff. You got to play through that. And look, the Miami Heat. Say what you want about culture, making fun of that shit. People over overstate that. I'm not a big fan of saying culture, culture, culture. But look. They get punched in the mouth. They don't, they don't, there's no bitching at referees. There's no losing it. They just stay on path. That's what they did. And it was a blowout. It was a fucking disaster. Isn't it? Well, they shot 57% from the field. They shot 55% from three. Uh, they won the rebound. Oh, sorry, they lost the rebound count, but that was due to um, a lot of offensive rebound looks for, for Boston for shooting the ball so poorly. But they only had, and, and Miami only had nine turnovers. So it tells you they shoot, they shoot a great clip. Have limited turnovers to tell you the defense isn't where it needs to be. And, and Miami, I'm sorry, Boston on the other on the other hand, I mean they had they, get this that pro they had they had uh, seventeen more shot attempts for the game, um, and they still lost by what is what was it? The, it should have been a forty point loss. The bench came in and actually played hard for Boston, which paid impression and a few other guys came in, but. They're horrible clips, you know, 40%. I mean, Jalen Brown, 0 for 7 from 3. Jason Tatum, 1 for 7 from 3. They, they couldn't make a 3 tonight, 11 for 42. And over the course of the series, it's been ugly. I mean, Jalen Brown's shooting in the 40s. He's, he can't find his 3-ball. I think he's in the 20% mark. Um, but, they, yeah, they're, they're in some trouble. Just be interesting to see if they have any tick or any prior to try and at least, you know, take it back to game 5 for, for uh hey, Bokes, in here, here's two, two things I want to share, and I'm out uh, with this. First of all, the Miami Heat called two isolation plays for Zeller and scored. All right. They, I, I expect six resignations from the Celtics. I don't know who, but there, there needs to be six resignations tomorrow. If if Zeller's getting fucking plays called to him and then scoring, it's over. I, I would quit. I would fucking quit. Second of all, <laughs> between Tatum and Brown, one free throw attempt. Kobe always told me, right, like, dude, there's going to be games. There's playoff games where I stunk. There's games during the regular season I stunk. And I'm not making my shots. I'm going to the fucking free throw line. I'm putting my head down and forcing them to follow me because I need to get to the line. I need to get myself revved up. I can't live by the three-point line every night. I can't live by tough shots every night. And I've done that early in my career. But what you know, later in my career, what I learned is I got to get to the free throw line. There's no excuse for going to the line zero times and you're a max player and Tatum going one time and you're a max player. Look, you're going to have bad nights. You're going to have bad nights in the worst, in the worst possible time in the playoffs. You can't be on every night, but this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You go to the line one time combined, $927 million in contracts between two of those fucking guys, and they get to the line one time. That's disgusting. It's disgraceful. And, you know, I'd wear my, I, I'd make them wear my, their jerseys inside out, and they're flying Southwest back if they're losing for game four. <laughs> well, it looks like they're done. I mean, I, uh, Piers Jalen Brown looks very yeah. checked out. Uh, rumors about him trying to, trying to get out right. of Boston. Who knows? Uh, read between the lines. But, uh, Credit to Miami Heat. They deserve all the accolades. I've uh, seen them in the NBA Finals uh, pro. There's only one other eight seed in NBA history that's made the NBA Finals. You know who that is? No, who's that, folks? It is the New York Knicks in the lockout year against the Spurs. Ooh, yeah. Um, they I made that. the uh, NBA Finals back in 99, the only one ever um, till now. 
hopefully, uh, looking look the way it's going to go, you, no one has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit. So both these series look like they're going to go to go the way of the three in the zero. Um, but yeah, only one of the teams ever done it. I don't think a seven seed's ever done it. So it's pretty impressive. I mean, and um, don't forget the Heat were, you know, they scraped in through that yeah. plane. <laughs> they, it's like they were too good. They weren't too convincing to get into that eight seed versus Milwaukee and. Credit to them. Uh, I've, I doubted them. You doubted mm-hmm. them. Every, you know, even even people that are fans would have said, like, you know, second round, great achievement this season. Oh, conference finals, fantastic. But, you know, Boston's got our number and they continue to surprise. So well done there. Denver Lakers, similar series as far as ball movement and isolation, I think. Uh, a lot of standing around with the Lakers um, kind of – they move it a little bit, but you look at Denver, especially those first two games, man, that ball was moving. That thing is swinging around and everyone's touching it and obviously starts with, with Nikola Jokic so far in the series. He's at 27, 14, and 11, just mind-boggling numbers. Anthony Davis, the best for the Lakers, 28, 14, and two and a half assists. But I thought I, – I really thought the Lakers would get home, home court uh, just based on, you know – Longer series, they'd win the. I knew they'd win the free throw count, which they did. But what people forgot, no, people forgot, not 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 the people forgot, but what we forgot is Jamal Murray. Um, you know, Jokic has been very big for him, but when Murray's making shots at the clips he's currently making them at, very hard to stop. He's averaging thirty five for the series pro. He's shooting fifty two percent from the field, forty five from three, and ninety three from the line. With seven rebounds, with five assists, only one and a half turnovers, three steals, just an absolute – if this was the NBA Finals, he'd be the MVP over Jokic in my opinion. Um, Even though Jokic is putting up crazy numbers, I think Murray's been – you know, if if you look at the stats, you'd probably say Jokic, but if you've watched the games when they've needed – you know, Lakers have made a 5-0 run and cut the lead. Murray's come down and hit a big shot for them whenever needed uh, in this series. And we've been critical at times that he's – He's either all in into a game or he's not. Like he's there's no in between with Jamal Murray. Like he's he's on fire or he's not. He's that kind of player. He's been phenomenal this series. Um, and if he continues this, they'll, they'll they'll easily go off to a sweep. Porter Jr. was better last game. He had a kind of a, a a nice balanced game for him. Usually does shoot it a lot. Uh, you, whenever he catches it, you're like this is going to go up one way or another with with him. Uh, he's kind of Clay Thompson-ish in that way, where he's, he's, he thinks he's always open, which, you know, Clay's a much better player, but I'm just saying he's, he's got that mentality of like, if I've got half a sniff, I'm shooting it. Uh, but he, he's been sold in this series too with 15, 9, and uh, – what has he got, 15, 9, and 4. Uh, Bruce Brown, you know, underrated signing. I put I put his signing up there with uh, with Josh Hart, you know, all the move, however they acquired him. I don't, know, I don't know if they traded for him or signed him, but he's been huge. He's been a great pickup for him. Gordon hasn't been that good this series. But uh, the Nuggets, man, they just continue to, to play one. I thought they were in trouble last game and they, they still managed to, to squeak it out. LeBron James looks very tired this series. Uh, he does not look himself whatsoever in my opinion. I think I think just – I don't know if it's the, the injury that he had midseason, missed a lot of time, legs catching up to him. You know, he, there are some bigger bodies on that Nuggets team now in, in Gordon and Jeff Green that get to guard him. He's got bigger bodies on him now, so – I don't know what it is, but he, he definitely doesn't have that same spring to his step. Um, he's been horrendous from three uh, this series. He's shooting fifteen percent from three pro, so he's been he's been horrendous from the three point line. And when his three's not dropping, he's, he's a little bit easier to guard. Um, as, as, as funny as that is to say, but even with all that, he's twenty three, ten, and nine currently. So um, you look at the numbers on the stat sheet, different story. But when you watch the games like we do. Uh, he definitely has another gear and he's going to need that for them to, to try and win game four. What are you seeing in this series, bro? 
Yeah, folks, this series has been great, to be honest. Even though it's 3 0, this fight, like this fight from the Lakers every night, in my opinion, all three games. And look, look, Denver's outmatched them without question. We sort of expect that, you know, from where the Lakers had to come from to get to this point. And they are fighting and they just don't have enough, but like they don't quit. And that's a good thing. I agree with you. LeBron's a tired, you know, looking tired. I'll tell you what, and I've said this a long time. They got to play him in the post more, in my opinion. Yeah, they got to post him up, not only for his scoring ability, but his ability to get to the free throw awesome. line and passing. Yeah, his passing. It's great. Like, even when he was on Miami, I always felt that way. Get him in the post, let him pass out of the post. It's like, look, like you, you look at the great ones that well, when they got to advanced age, they started living in the post. Jordan, Kobe, you know, they they just sort of live there. And neither one had the passing ability that LeBron has. And I think that with his body, yeah, you have to work a little bit in the post, but it doesn't, in my opinion, it doesn't wear out the, as much energy as dribbling around, dribbling around, looking for, you know, looking for an opening. He seemed like, you know, I, I was a big football fan when I was a kid. When Barry Sanders from the from the Detroit Lions had no offensive line. I don't know if you know football, you know, American football, but like, you know, it's the same thing. Like he, he just, you know, exerted so much energy trying to get holes to run. Same thing with LeBron, like. He's he doesn't have that speed to go by guys every possession anymore. So getting in the post, slowing it down a little bit, getting to the basket, you know, getting higher, you know, higher, you know, higher looks and getting to the free throw. Well, that's, line. What he was, that's what he did against us when I was the Warriors yeah. in the finals. The year they beat us, more up three one. He was he was living off the elbow extended and yeah. the the block extended and just they had shooters all spread around him. Uh, we kind of we send half doubles, you know, swing, swing, yeah. swing. Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, one of those guys is banging a three in, and then they had Thompson running in for offensive rebounds. It was really tough to guard because we we knew it was coming. Like everyone in the whole arena knew where it was going. But another thing is to stop it and scheme around it, and they they did a great job balancing the floor. Yeah, they really they went to it in glimpses, like like a minute or two spurts, but they didn't they didn't stay in it. And I think I think that's their better option. I think look. Problem is you've got Davis down there in the paint as well, but I think you can you can spread him at times mm -hmm. to, to a corner three if you need to or out of the dunker spot. But yeah, I, I agree with you. They've got enough cattle, and you, you look at I think you know D'Angelo Russell's been horrible this series. He's been awful, uh, yeah. seven points. You know, thirty uh, percent from the field, fifteen percent from three. Not great. So you almost have to play Schroeder more, who doesn't bring you as much offensively, but at least he's guarding and trying to get up and in Murray and whatnot. And Hachimura uh, has been. Has been He's been, he's been really good. Yeah, he's mm -hmm. been 17 points at 63% from the field. So I think he's been really you – know, they got him – by the way, they got him in a steal. No uh, doubt. In that trade. They robbed, they robbed uh, Washington blind. I mean, Rui, Rui did have issues with mental health and not playing. I don't think he was enjoying it in in Washington. Um, Austin Reeves is their third best uh, scorer with 22 a night. So they have some work to do. I think this one's got a better chance of, of maybe them stealing one than the other one does. Sure. Um, just based on what we saw today, I think, like you said, even though the Lakers have lost three, it felt like they were in most of those games for the most part, uh, especially yeah. the last game. And they're battling. You know, they just I just think Denver's just – Denver just looks really good. Um, and I'm excited to see, hopefully – look, if it was Denver-Miami, which is looking like, I mean, the league's probably, you know – um, curled up in a corner somewhere. Adam Silver's probably crying right now uh, that it's going to be those two teams when he could have had the dream of a Lakers-Boston. And I'm just glad we don't have Lakers-Boston because I just I don't want to hear about the 80s and the 90s. I just <laughs> I already know the, the the leading video role of every game, all that kind of stuff. But uh, I, I think it's nice to see a team like Denver just finally crack their first NBA finals with a chance to win it. Same as Miami, a team that no one picked. 
um, actually going into the into the NBA Finals, I think would be pretty cool to see. But uh, yeah, this series has been has been has been a fun one, even though it's three zero. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's battling, it's not quitting, it's staying in things, and and just look, Denver's a very good team. I think they might be the most underrated one seed I've ever seen. And look, I I've always said that they didn't have enough offense, didn't have enough offense, but. They're really showing that, you know, look, Murray's really coming to play. Jokic is doing his thing. The role players, you know, we talk, you, you talked about Brown and, and his impact in the game and Porter and some of the things that he's doing. And it's great to see. And look, if it's Denver and Miami, yeah, it may not be the most exciting thing. But I'll tell you what, Butler brings it every night. Jokic brings it every night. So, like, you get two are the best players, right? If you do have that Denver, Miami, which we will see, you know, you'll at least have two superstars that bring it every night. And, you know, Butler just like last time he made the finals, they just didn't have enough against the Lakers. Now that matchup's going to be great to see. And look, you got two really good coaches and Mike Malone and Spolster and, you know, you got teams that go at it and, and just, it's going to be a fun series. It's going to be a great, you know, execution series is going to be shooting, cutting, you know, just great play. And it'll be great to watch, you know, and, and look, LeBron's fought, you know, he's fought, he's had to carry this team, you know, uh, when he played this year. And I know he's been out, he was out a little bit, but he does get tired. He is at advanced age and look, he's not over the hill or anything like that. It's just that it gets tiring trying to be the number one guy and put everything on your shoulders. The guy's done a great job with them. I didn't even expect them to make the final 10. These guys are in the conference finals. Great to see. The one thing I do want to talk about a Bogues with this is Mike Malone talking about like, I don't like to use the N word in narrative. I, 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 I'm totally against the words. I, I, I hate narrative. Like I hate downhill in basketball, but, um, talking about like everybody's you know talking about the lakers and not talking about us and you know look i i just think you're in the playoffs after you win it or lose that's that's something you bring up but like bringing it up during the series look it is what it is you, you know you know i'm not gonna ever tell somebody how to feel and obviously that was burning his belly to to say something like that but i don't know it's to me, it's a little bit of a distraction. You're worried about what the media is writing. Of course, the media is going to write bullshit. That's what the media does for the most part. You know, they'll write about like storylines and blah, blah, blah. And they don't like the underdog. They really don't. That you know, sometimes they like when the when the big dog gets sort of like uh decrowned sometimes. But like for the most part, they're gonna just keep writing about what what Cassius checks for. And I think that. That's just what it is, and Denver's not an exciting story yet. They're probably the uh, they're the favorite to win the championship, but sometimes you just can't fight that media. What did you think about that, folks? Yeah, I thought it was. I agree. It's, I mean, Malone's a passionate guy. I loved him. I had him in as, as an assistant with the Warriors. Big fan of, of Coach Malone and the way he goes about things. It was very underrated with us, and, and got he got etched out and, and left with the whole Mark Jackson um, era. Um, wasn't a favorite. You know, with the whole, he was just kind of a coach that was call it as you see it, come in, work hard. You know, and, and that didn't fit in too well with with the whole regime that was there at that time. But um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think he probably let that one he'd probably take it back if he could. Gone on that rant about it. It's it's truth. It makes sense. It's right. You know, like his point was that you know we beat 
if we beat the Lakers three times, it'll be about how the Lakers lost, not how we won. And it's it's right, you know, it's, it is bullshit. You know, Denver should get more love, but you're in the middle of a bigger goal, right? You're in the middle of trying to win a championship. You don't need to, if you're using it as kind of bulletin board material where you're, we're going to use this as motivation, use it in-house, and then, like you said, bring it up at the end of the season. You know, bring it up in the off-season once you've got your trophy, but I think just bring it up now. But that group looks like it's resilient, though. It looks like I don't think that's going to really affect them or have them kind of be distracted by it, which has been impressive. Like, Denver just – they just keep on humming. Like, they – you know, I thought they were going to let game – was it game two? Um, there was a game where I thought they were going to let it slip. I think it was game two um, where there was, a, there was a run from the Lakers, and historically Denver would let that slip. Um, yeah, it was game two. And even game one, you know, Lakers came came, came back towards the end and, and historically they'd let those games go in the bubble and those games, right? And they've been really impressive with just just humming on, you know, to the beat and just playing that rhythm. You, you, we talk about how Jokic was trying to get the ball inbounds quickly against the, uh, the the Suns and got in trouble with the push and whatever. But that's what they keep doing. They just they just keep humming on, hum. We're just going to keep going, keep humming, 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 humming. And they just they just take it, take it over. So a bit of a distraction by Malone, but yeah, I think the Nuggets are – a great story. I love to. I love to see. I will love to see them because I think it's gonna, it's more likely they're not going to happen when you look at the historical numbers of teams down three zero. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just been impressive for Jokic for their whole organization from where they've gone top to bottom. And once again, like you know, you look at their roster. Um, you know, if you look at their roster preseason, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't have them as a one seed. You know, people people want to say, oh yeah, I had them. Yeah, yeah okay. When you looked at you looked at a healthy Golden State coming back, and you looked at this and you looked at that, you look at their roster, and you know you could argue that they're not a, they're not a one C. They're they're oh, you mean them with Denver home court? Maybe they're top four, maybe they scrape in, but you know their starting lineup: Murray, Pope, Jokic, Gordon, Porter. Very good starting lineup. But you look at their bench, all right? Bruce Brown. People questioned his shooting. Can he fit in? Christian Braun's getting the bulk of their minutes as the as the second guy off the bench, and then Jeff Green and the and the rest of the guys that aren't playing. You know Thomas Bryant. Reggie Jackson, DeAndre Jordan, Ish Smith. So not an overly deep roster with, with stacked with talent like some of these other teams. Like, look, at, you compare their roster to Boston. Boston, you know, on talent, v talent alone, 1v1. Boston clearly has the advantage and they couldn't, can't get through a depleted Miami. So credit to, credit to Denver and everything they've done and congratulations to Mike Malone. So very, very good. All right, let's move on to some news, Pro. The Spurs get their number one pick. So uh, Wemby... Going to the Spurs, obviously, is a foregone conclusion, even though it hasn't happened yet. What I find interesting with this is, have you heard much about Wemby and his kind of the way he goes about things and, and all that, or, or not really? You know, Brian Windhorst had this big story. I didn't get the chance to read it or see it, but they were talking about him like learning English. And I work for the trainer that works him out, the basketball trainer, Tim Martin, does a great job working with him. And he t- tells me about him a little bit, but I really haven't, I, I really haven't. I didn't dive into him like I usually in the draft uh, years past. What was it? What was it? I've heard some great things, but I haven't really, I haven't really. A phenomenal player, but I've just heard the off court. I think uh, from, from some, from some birdies in the know, he's an entourage type guy. He's a, he's a demands on the organization type guy. Um, So what I mean by that is, I want my trainer to travel on the team plane. I want my masseuse to do this. I want access to the facility for, for X, Y, Z. That is what I mean by demands on, 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 on teams. There's players that do that and get away with it. You know, Hardens of the world, LeBron, that they will get away with a bit more because they're the stars. I've heard when, when Yama is, is in that, in that boat, very, very 
entourages, which which is fine. Look, he's he's a he's a superstar. He's, he's been, you know he's they call him a unicorn for a reason. He's one in a million, one in a billion, 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 right? Trillion. But the reason why I bring this up is because the Spurs are the opposite of that. The Spurs don't mess around with that. They don't allow. This is the Spurs. This is how we do things. Oh, you're a superstar player. Cool. No, no. This is the Spurs. This is how we do things. We don't care. We don't care who you are, how much money we're paying you. You you buy in for the greater good of the team. Kind of Miami-esque, right? So that's what I'm interested to see, uh, whether Pop tweaks his kind of uh, psyche around that, whether the Spurs do, whether they allow a bit more flexibility with that. But then does that be detrimental to what the Spurs have built this last you know, 20, 30 years, maybe. But that's what I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see that because it's the two opposites colliding, Pro. If Wimby comes into into that that organization and starts telling people where to go and I want this and I want that, I think that's only going to last a month or two be- before there's there's some clashing of heads, Pro. Yeah, Bogues, that's, it's the first time I've heard of that. Um, but I, I do agree with you. I think that if the Spurs, look, the Spurs do it their way and they've done a very good job over the years developing players. Now, um, a couple of things here. First of all, they're missing, they don't have the their top developer talent in Chip England. He's in Oklahoma City. That's a problem, um, especially how this kid shoots it. I didn't know watching, uh, looking at the stats year in and year out. I thought if you see, if you just go by the, the highlights, you think this kid could shoot from 40 feet like it's going out of business style. He shoots like in the 20s from three. Not that that's a big deal, Kevin Durant shot 25% his first year from three. But so like, first of all, you don't have that guy that really helped develop Parker and Ginobili and some of the other guys shooting the ball. That's number one. Number two, if if they're anything, they're smart. And they tried the tough guy stance with Kawhi Leonard and they lost. And so now like, I'm not saying they cannot do what 26 other teams do in the league and let their players do whatever they want. They can't do that. But I think there needs to be some collaboration, some communication between both parties and be like, look, here's how we're going to develop you. Here's how our plan is. Okay. We'll give you some leeway on some things. If you want to bring your guy in to collaborate with our staff, as far as you're off the court, um, with your strength and conditioning program, um, how you deal with injuries, how you injury prevention, and they could talk and get on the same page. Great. But there are some things that we cannot go back on, you know, and I think they can't be as militant as they've been in the past, but I do think that they have to stay with their core values and how they, and, and that can't be, you know, how he's coached, how he's developed on the court, what they do with him, what they work on. But I think they do have to be a little nicer with this stuff and a little lighter on things because this guy is the most hyped up rookie that ever, ever walked the earth. Is he going to be that? I don't know. It's hard to say that he's going to live up to what LeBron James did, you know, with, with what he did, but that's he, neither here nor there. But I do think that there needs to be some like meeting close to the middle on this where, you know, because they'll lose the guy because, look, they won't lose him on the rookie deal. And, you know, it's it's like I don't think there's ever been a guy who didn't sign his rookie extension unless he was traded like a Porzingis before the rookie deal's up. So that he will get there seven years or so. But, you know, he'll get he'll he'll demand his way out of town if that's the case. Um, so I think there just has to be some collaboration on both sides. 
Yeah, I agree. They get that's that's why I'm interested because they're they're a hard line. Like we, I'm sure you have. We've we've uh, checked into hotels before. Like let's say we play in LA and the Spurs were in that hotel because they just played the Clippers the night before and we're playing the Lakers tomorrow. Whatever it is, we cross over in the same hotel. You see these Spurs staffers and people involved with the Spurs. It's it's army military like it is. It's blatantly in your face like. Most teams, you know, walk into a hotel lobby, guys are laughing, shooting the shit, staff, you know, whatever. There's people messing around, you know, kind of like being jovial. You see Spurs staffers and players, it's, they're like robots, man. Honestly, I don't know if you've experienced it, Pro, but I, I have a few times, like I'm talking from the way they carry their bags, from the elevator to the lobby to the bus, from how they're dressed with their polos on to clean cut and, and, and well <laughs> Like it's, it's, it is... It is noticed. Do you disagree, Pro? It is noticeable, man. No, like, no. It is very noticeable. It's funny you say that. We picked up a guy. Um, I forgot who, but somebody played for the Spurs, and um, he was on, like, they tell you where to sit on the bus. And yeah. Yeah. So the guy, uh, Manu, uh, turns to the guy and says, hey, like, so-and-so is not on the trip. You know, it. I think Pop would be okay if he sat up in this seat. And he's like, nah, man, I'm okay. And he just sort of laughed it off. But like, yeah, it's like something about not having the windows down on the fl- up on the flight and stuff like that. Hey, look, it is what it is, man. Like, that's won them a lot of championships doing it that way. But the players that really did that were different type of players. They were, first of all, different era, different type of person, most of which were international so they just sort of got it, right? And they and they were just like, yes, sir, no, sir kind of guys. You don't have that. Like four, 510 NBA players, including two ways, there's probably five yes, sir. No, there's probably like 20 yes, sir, no, sir players in the whole league. You know, there aren't the yes, sir, no, sir guys anymore. And that's just what you have to deal with. And you have to adapt. You still keep your foundation of what makes you a coach and what makes you a championship organization, regardless of how bad they've been in the last eight or nine years. The Spurs, I think the Spurs, Miami, Spurs, Miami, I guess you got to put Denver up there and OKC are teams that like, they're going to do it the way they need to do it. Now, yeah, they'll bend the rules a little bit, but like I would say 26 25, 26 teams let their players do whatever, you know, and they, and they will compromise. These these organizations don't compromise. Denver's newer to the party on that, but those three other organizations, they don't compromise. And there's a reason why they overachieve. And there's a reason why they're tough to beat. And there's a reason why they compete every night. And, and have, you're right. The, the right players are important. You know, the, yeah. the Spurs got super lucky with the number one pick with the mannerism and psyche of Tim Duncan. Um, I, I totally agree, you know, but I, I recently listened to a, um, uh, the Bill Simmons podcast. He had a, he had a guy on talking about, uh, Philadelphia and, and kind of, he was railing on Embiid for not being in shape and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And he was talking about, I don't know if you heard it, he was talking about the cultural stuff with Philly and said that, you know, this is, they've bred this, they've bred allowing a guy to go to Vegas in the middle of their playoff run. They've bred guys showing up late and not being accountable. They've so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. There's only four or five teams in the league that have a hard line on that stuff, and the Spurs are one of them. But I just just make note that that they haven't had a swaggy superstar front page of everything guy 
Um, they had Tim Duncan, but he wasn't the swaggy guy, mm-hmm. since, you know, ever really. So now they get they got they got to tweak a little bit. I think they really do, but I think there'll be a point where there will be a, a bit of a head clash between mm-hmm. Pop and him, and it'll prop, who knows, it might be strategic, it might not. But I'm looking forward to seeing it. All right, the NBA All Star Weekend. There's a, there's a little tweak to this, pro. They're, they're making a, another change to the All Star Weekend. They're trying to get that turd from from dark dark brown to brown now. That's, that's what they're trying to do. But uh, the All Star format is is going to go back to a draft of East versus West Pro. That's the change they've come up with to, to fix the All-Star game now. It's not going to just be an all-out draft. It's, you're going to have to draft guys in your uh, in your conference. <laughs> will, that, will that fix the uh, the All-Star weekend for you, Pro? Will that, will that get you turning on your TV? Bogues, I'd rather watch Roseanne bar in a mud wrestling contest than watch anything <laughs> that has to do with NBA All-Star weekend. No, I'm not going to watch it. I can care less. Look, if that's what they want to do, that's not going to get anything better. So just, you know what's going to get it better? Canceling it. That's what it gets it better. Do something else. It's just not going to happen, Bogues. Like, you could give out whatever you want. It's just not going to work. It's not. Like, guys are going to be guys. Like, like that's what the NBA's got to figure out, right? Like, what do you want? You're not going to get guys to, like, they, like, you know, everything's geared towards the playoffs, so like you're gonna say, all right, get let's go hard during the play uh, during the all star all star game, right? So somebody gets hurt. So now you're gonna be like, well, you shouldn't have been going hard in the all star game. Wait a minute, you want us to go hard? In the, where do you want us to go hard in the regular season? And then we're banged up for the playoffs. Do you want us to go hard at this tournament mid mid season tournament or whatever you're gonna do? Do you want us to go hard at the play, at the all star game, the preseason summer league? Where do you want us to go hard? Because obviously, right now is where you want everybody at their best, right? So, like, who, no, they're not going to care. Players are not going to care. And the players that you get in this game are making 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars. So, if you give them an extra million each for winning, most of them aren't going to care. So, I don't care. Like, you could, you could play the Chinese national team, you can play. I don't know. You can play the Space Jam Monstars. You could play whoever you want. It's just not – no one's going to care. No one's going to care. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just the the fact that they keep trying to tweak this year in, year out shows that they're concerned, bro. Um, yeah. That's the point of this. They, they, they know they know this thing is dying. Right. And it's only going to be so long as you can get young, young influencers that will follow it for a year that don't give a shit about basketball. That's what the All-Star Game's catering to. That's a minority of people for the most part. I know young kids are more into that shit, but the majority is poop fans. That, that's a bigger that's a bigger sample size than people who just want to be seen sitting courtside in an all-star game, right? So I think they're starting to figure out we need to we need to fix this thing a little bit and they're, they're trying, but they're, they're a ways away. So you brought this one to the table, Pro. Uh, Steve curses and the NBA should have a minor league system like Major League Baseball. Now, I when you text me this, I was like, I have no idea how the major major league baseball minor league system works. So care to explain that first before we we get into Steve's comments? Yeah, sure. So minor league baseball, um, basically, each organization has about six minor league teams, maybe even more. So when the guy gets drafted in the major league, it's not like the NBA where they go right to the team, right? Most teams, most players that get drafted in baseball don't really make the major leagues to about their fifth year or so. Some never make it. So what they do is they get drafted, they go to rookie ball, right? Like, and right after they get drafted, they go rookie ball. Then they go to single A, which is like the lowest of low of minor league besides rookie ball. So, you know, mostly with young players or 
players that are just never going to make it, but mostly are going to be young players drafted, trying to get up. Then you get double A, you know, and same thing, higher, a little bit higher level minor league, and then you get triple A. That's the last level. And then if you make it, if you get promoted out of triple A, you go to the major leagues. But in that, every, you know, most of these teams, you know, most of these teams have played in small towns across the United States. You know, they charge, you know, they charge, they sort of run themselves. The major league team funds it, but they run themselves. They charge for tickets, marketing, and all that stuff. And a lot of them, like, you know, people come out in the towns. I've been, I've been to Iowa before watching minor league games and people from the town come out because that's all they have. And the problem with this is now the difference between the basketball side and the baseball side is there's so many more baseball players than basketball players. There's like in as far as the draft, there's over 30 rounds in the baseball draft. Usually if you draft in the first three or four rounds, you get guaranteed money. And then um, everything else is sort of non-guaranteed. You get to go, you know, rookie ball, try to make it, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, there's so many more prospects. There's thousands of prospects in baseball that scouts got to watch all over the country. And with basketball, I would say in baseball, 30 rounds times what? Over 30 teams. So there's over 1,000 players that get drafted, right? And then there's probably about ten, five to 6,000 players that they got to keep an eye on, right? In basketball, every year there's 60 players drafted. I would say about 150 or so players, maybe 200 are tracked for an NBA front office. And then they, they dwindle that, you know, down to a hundred before the draft. And then 60 of those guys get drafted. So that's a little bit of the difference, but the finances in this thing is astronomical where, you know, um, you got to pay salaries of people who work for the team and the players and the staff. It's just a big deal. And in basketball, there's just not a lot of like payoff for that. You know, you've got your draft picks, you've got your two-way players, you've got your exhibit tens. Um, but even in those, like each D League team outside of your draft picks, there might be one player tops, maybe two that an NBA team would even look at. So to expand, it's going to be that was an interesting talk. Yeah, you can't do it. It's not not enough players, I don't think, to do to do that. And I think the G League in general has been pretty decent. Um, do do you know do all do all teams every team own their G League team? No, there's a few that, that don't still correct. So there's one. I think the Portland Trailblazers Bogues is the only team that doesn't own it. And okay. look, with the new CBA, they did the NBA a favor, right? where they gave you an extra two-way spot. So that's an extra player. There's 30 extra players now that the NBA has to grab from to pay, what, 300 grand. I think a two-way player, if you max out your days or whatever, you make about 300, right? So that's good. But you keep them with your team, strength coach, summer league, you know, practice with you guys, go down to the D-League. That's good. That's solid. That's an extra prospect. But there's just not enough players. Like – you know, where are these players coming from? Now there's 30 extra players that will probably be playing. The players that will probably be playing in Europe are going to, like 30 players are going to probably be playing, or internationally are probably going to be in the United States. And, okay, that's great, but, like, you probably, most of those players probably have no chance of being NBA players. It's good to get the extra roster spot, and just in case, look, we've seen it with the Miami Heat. There's plenty, there's plenty of talent if you develop it and give it, you know, give it minutes. But I just... You know, I think the extra roster spot's great, but most of these teams lose money 
They're disasters. Nobody goes to the games. Nobody cares. There's a few organizations that do a great job with it. But yeah, to expand it like the minor leagues, there's just not enough players and talent. You see other leagues that try to survive in the United States and they go out of business by year two, year three for the most part because there's just not enough sponsorship money. There's No one really cares. No one goes to those games and there's not enough talent. So I just think in basketball, in baseball, it's a lot easier to cultivate a major league player. You know, if you're a pitcher or you can hit, you know, you know, it's not as a physical game. You don't have to be in the shape. You don't play both sides of it like basketball. There's just not enough prospects in basketball, in my opinion. Yeah, it makes it much harder. And, and look, I like the fact that the leagues have – I love the, the – Kind of the, the teams that have another team in their in their state at least. Like I think the Warriors do a good job with having Santa Cruz. The Lakers have, you know, the G League teams based at their facility. For some smaller cities, it's hard. You know, for Indiana, it's hard to have a G League team in in, in Indianapolis, for instance, because no one's going to go watch that shit. So, strategically, I think they move them out to some some towns out out. You know, two three hours drive away, build the game that way. I, I like that idea. I like the fact that you can send you. Your team's back, but uh, yeah, I think Steve's Steve's dreaming. I think a little bit that that uh, they can replicate baseball because I mean, you know, plus baseball just got a different feel with the minors, right? Like it's it's still it's a pride of a town type thing. It's I think I went to some minor league games when I was in um, in Salt Lake City when I went to the University of Utah, and it was it was still a pretty decent turnout. Like people supported it because it was the only it's show outdoors. in town. And it was co- it's cultural. Like you, you, you get. Basically, a lot of people just go there and get shit faced. Just have a, a bunch of beers. They play drinking games in the crowd, yeah. you know. So it's 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 a real cultural thing. So it's it's a little bit different from the NBA. With the NBA, you know, you don't see people tailgating. You don't see people doing that. It's it's not that kind of event. It's 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 much much different. It's indoors. Um, it's not as not as a not as I guess the the, the lead up to NBA games. Is, there's no real culture about it. Um, like there is in, in, in the NFL or baseball. And baseball is huge, like the cookouts and all that kind of stuff. People tailgate and all that, same as football. So um, I think Steve got that one wrong. All right, Bob Myers, finally. is Still not locked up by the Warriors Pro. I don't know if you've heard anything from your circles, but the Washington Wizards are emerging. So they could uh, open a big a big checkbook. You, what are you hearing there? I, I've, I'm, I'm obviously closer to the situation than you'd be, but I haven't, I haven't heard anything really. I'm just kind of scratching my head. There was rumors that they offered him – what would have been the highest paid executive in the league contract wise and still didn't take it, bro. Yeah. Every step of the way with this story just keeps on getting more and more bizarre. You know, just um nobody knows. Nobody knows what the deal is. I, I know, you know, I, I I didn't hear the Washington thing, but you know, it's just weird like why, you know, everything was going so well. And yeah, they're down a little bit, but like why, you know, the sudden, like, I've never seen this before where it's not like they're over the hill and they're done, done, you know, where like he wouldn't sign, they wouldn't sign him, you know, it's just an interesting phenomenon, you know, as far as what's happening with that. I haven't heard anything, you know, they've been pretty tight lipped about the whole thing, to be honest. So I don't know, folks, to be honest with you. I don't have an answer. It's a strange one considering the success and everything going on. Um, Either he feels he's worth more, either – I don't know. I have no idea, but uh, it sure is interesting. And for, anyway, for people playing along home, the Wizards are, are emerging and they might throw a boatload at, at him to try and get their franchise back to where it needs to be because they've been in shambles themselves. All right, moving on. Dabble, social betting experience. You can copy bets. Simple. See a bet on your feed you like. Boom, hit that copy bet button. Follow Copy My Bets. Jump into the banner channel. Have a chat. 
have a giggle. Go on, download the app, App Store, dabble, all one word. Dabble, socially, gamble responsibly. NBL Australia News, EuroLeague Champions Pro. You, you got to watch that game. I didn't watch it. It was a bad hour here. But Real Madrid get over the line by one over Olympiacos Pro. Did you, did you catch that one? Yeah, I did. I, I caught – I still got to watch the last half of the fourth quarter. You know, I just had a few things that I had to do today. But, man, what a great game. It's just great atmosphere. You know, Olympiacos was fighting. I thought they were going to run away with the thing. Real Madrid just came back. You know, uh, guys like Hazonia, you know, um, Eddie, Hern- Eddie Hernandez, you know, they play – Tavares. I'm sorry, Eddie Tavares who played with the Hawks briefly – Big, t- you know, came out big defensively for Real Madrid. Um, it was Sergio Rodriguez. A lot of really good, you know, good players playing on both ends. You know, two really good coaches going at it. Great atmosphere, and um, yeah, Real Madrid, who is down two zero to Partizan. It's unbelievable that you know and what the happened. suplex happened. And the suplex <laughs> happened. Yeah, exactly. It's just crazy with what happens in the playoffs, folks, at any level where. You, you get a little bit of daylight and, you know, Celtics take note down 2-0 and did not quit and did not quit. And it was probably tougher. It was tougher to do what Real Madrid did than what the Boston Celtics had to do to beat Miami. You know, they, they were down 2-0. I've never seen it. Now, I'm not saying it never happened, but I've never seen it in the EuroLeague where a team was down 2-0 and they ended up winning. And now getting not only that, but getting to the Final Four and, and winning a EuroLeague championship. Amazing. It is a great Anything I don't like, I don't like that it's one-off in the yeah. in the top four. I, I don't like that. Um, you know, it's a five-game series leading up. And then all of a sudden they go to a semi one-off and a, and a grand final one-off. I think at least go best at three or something. Give, give them a chance. But I know they want to make it a spectacle kind of college final four, you know, one game, two games over a weekend, you know, Saturday, Monday, whatever it is. Yeah. But, you know, especially a series like that, bro, goes, yeah. goes down to, to one point. That would have been a, you know, all-time series if it was a three-game or a five-game. It's just um, – but they've done it that way for a while. EuroLeague's a, a big, big drawing league. So – um, congratulations to Real Madrid, and they beat Barcelona in the in the round before that. Oh, so God, yeah. pretty pretty impressive rivalry there, um, yeah. which was good. All right, uh, NBL news chased away. Chase Buford is gone from the uh, the Sydney Kings pro. So obviously, I'm closer to the situation uh, than most would be. So aware of everything going on, and it's been reported the last couple of weeks that that has happened. Uh, the reasoning, which was basically released put put in the release, was that. Uh, it's no secret that Chase Buford has been in talks with with numerous NBA clubs as front of bench assistant roles and and whatnot. Um, especially with a few people that he'd worked for before, had relationships with, have have now received head coaching jobs or head assistant jobs, and he's interviewing for a number of jobs. Mm-hmm. We we were more than I would say more than reasonable with our time frame. Uh, we've we've had discussions with Chase about you know we had a team option on his contract, so. Arguably, we could have been the bad guy and just said, "We've got a team option. We're picking up the team option. It's not a pl- it's not a coach option or a player option. It's a team option. So we're going to pick it up, and you're coming back for this next season." But you know, we, we don't like to do business that way, so we we wanted to make sure that you know everything was was okay before we picked up that option. And Chase advised that it was, and um, this was months and months and months ago. This conversation started, and it just you know we didn't receive an answer. Uh, there was some back and forth, and then. Um, 
you know, time got closer towards the finals. Then it was, you know, we want to wait till the end of the finals, which we thought, fair enough, we don't want a distraction. But we, we let it sit and, uh, you know, then obviously um, there was a discussion how to end the season and Chase reiterated that he's, he's interviewing for a few jobs over in the NBA. And we said, look, no problem. We're, we're one of those NBL teams that, you know, we love people bouncing from the NBL and Sydney to, to more success in the NBA. And we've got a, the best track record in the NBL for that, both players and staff. But it got to a point where we're, you know, we're in early May and we we don't know where we stand. Um, you know, and Chase basically said, look, I want to a July to make a decision. And we, we couldn't do that. We couldn't, we could not wait till July. We're we're in we're we're in NBL free agency as we speak. Um our training camp starts generally in August. We couldn't take the risk pro of of you know, he opts in in July. Great, everything's good. But there's there's a huge risk that he gets a job by then in the NBA, um, and then in let's us know July one, and now we have to go through an interview process. The turnaround from start to finish of that is you can't get that done in four weeks, bro. It's just it's 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 especially when you consider visas, um, interviewing people from overseas with time differences. If we're going the US route or the European route with coaches, which which are on our short list, we have coaches from all around the world reaching out. We didn't think it was feasible. And we went through this a couple of seasons ago with Will Weaver. He, he left us kind of late in the off season. And we, we, we then promoted assistant Adam Ford and it, it didn't, didn't work out well. And we had to, you know, go through that for a year. And then, and then Ford moved on to Cairns to, to, greater things, but we didn't want to be in that situation where we are, you know, stuck without a coach in July, bro. And, and that's, yeah. that's the honest truth of why it happened. And it's not a, it's people say, Oh, is, is everything okay between the Kings? And it's, it's fine. Like we, it's a business decision and, and Chase understands it. We understand it. And we understand Chase wanting to July. We understand why he wanted to July, but we just couldn't, we couldn't facilitate that pro. So that would be, um, the Kings moving on. And now, you know, we're back in, back in market again for another head coach, the Sydney Kings. Yeah, I heard he's going to Atlanta, to be honest with you. Um, I've heard that Quinn Snyder and, you know, his dad's got a good relationship. I've, I've heard that recently. I haven't, I haven't, it's not like I've heard that for months or anything like that. So I did hear that in the last 48 hours or so. I was shocked when I heard that he was, wasn't coming back. And then that, then that, you know, I, I called, talked to a couple of friends of mine that sort of in the know in the NBA and they were like, yeah, you know, he's going to Atlanta. No, I don't know. You know how that stuff goes, folks. No one really knows, but you know it does make sense when when um, when Quinn Snyder's career was sort of on the rocks. When I was in the D League, um, the Spurs hired him as um, R.C. Buford hired him as his head coach in Atlanta. I mean in uh, Austin for their D League team, and so there's a lot of history there between Spurs, R.C. Buford, and Quinn Snyder. So. That's what I've heard. Makes sense, but who knows? I don't. It just sort of came across my board. That's unfortunate, but um, I am looking for a job. So if you guys want to call me up, just you know, let me know. I'll, I'll clean trash cans, make people laugh, whatever you want. You gonna move the wife and child to Australia? Yeah? Ah, they'll probably want to get me out of there, so they could just send. You know, you just have to send the check. <laughs> you know, your HR department just has to send the check to half to the divorce lawyer and half to me. That would be great. Exactly. Exactly. So don't take what pro said seriously. He's not moving from that that cushy job he has in, in Dallas. Appreciate um, it. And who'd co-host the podcast? Um, but yeah, back to the drawing board for the Kings. We appreciate like a lot of people are reaching out. We know it's a destination job for a lot of people trying to prove they can be NBA coaches. So there's a lot of assistants reaching out that want to come over here for a couple of years and and, and prove what they've 
you know, they can they can put, lead a team and then go back over there. So hopefully we'll we'll have that narrowed down by the early next month and we can we can start getting on it. Hopefully an announcement by you know, mid to late June for us. We'll see how that goes. All right, Matthew Delvadova back in the NBL with Melbourne United. Uh, the media has reported this as of a week ago. Uh, you're a month late. We, we broke this about a month ago. So if you want your, your news up to date and not through mainstream media, you got to follow the podcast, bro, because uh, we, we, we heard rumblings about this for a while and I got some mail that that was going to happen and good on Melbourne United. I think Delhi's quoted as saying, which which I respect. Look, I think he, he was quoted as saying I could potentially come back for another season in the NBA Similar role to what he had this season as more of a mentor, locker room figure, Udonis Haslam figure, um, great professional. We know Brown loves him in uh, in Sacramento, but he was like, I need to play minutes if I want to go to the 2024 Olympics uh, and 2023 World Cup. I, I need to be playing minutes to get to to get to another Olympics, and I know that. And the NBL was the best route for him. So you have to appreciate that that he probably left a little bit more money on the table and and the, the bright lights of the NBA to come back here and, and and better his craft to try and have a have a fair crack and be in some form for for Paris in 24. And stay tuned for some big Sydney Kings news this week. We just signed um, a pretty big name, so. I can't say who it is yet. We'll let the, the club get all the accolades for that. But uh, someone who was in the NBL last season is, uh, is going to be joining the Sydney Kings, which we're pumped about, bro. Anything from you on those? That's it, folks. I got nothing else besides the uh, the chase news. But no, nah, it's interesting, man. I'm, I'm looking right. forward to seeing you sign. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. I know your pros already sending me resumes, trying to get kickbacks from his friends if he gets a job with us. So <laughs> keep them coming. All right, stats, useful or useless? First one, Jamal Murray in the Western Conference Finals, 37.7 rebounds, six assists, two steals, followed by 37 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, four steals, followed by 31 points, five rebounds, five assists, three steals. So he's averaging 35 points per game on these clips, 52%, 46%, 93%. Unbelievable, pro. Useful, useless. Well, useful. The guy's dominating. I mean, he's playing great, using his size to his advantage, making big shots when they need it. Um Useful stats, useful for sure. Not just uh, not putting up thirty and losing and getting blown out and quitting, like you know, like guys in Boston. These guys, uh, you know, this guy's this guy's putting on his helmet and going to work. So yeah, no, definitely useful. Useful, I agree. Definitely useful. Next one will be this one's interesting. I'm just getting the right number because it was a Celtics game today, but. Uh, Lowest three-point percentage by a player with five-plus three-point attempts in a conference finals. We have uh, LeBron James at 15.8% as of current. And we have Jalen Brown. He was at 15.4% before today's game, Pro. So I had that on my run sheet. I had to check what he's at currently. He has dropped down to 10%, bro. So I don't think that's going to be broken. He's shooting 10%. So those two players, LeBron 15.8 and now Brown at 10%. They've set all-time records for the lowest three-point percentage in a conference finals, bro. Useful, useless. Useful. Stop shooting fucking threes and get to the basket. (laughs) Well, what's interesting about the Jalen Brown thing, I've got to give him credit. His three ball's gotten much better than it was. Sure. Um, When we played Team USA – in Melbourne, when we got that that famous victory with the Boomers mm-hmm. uh, here down in Melbourne, he was playing the four a little bit, and I was guarding him, and I was doing the whole stand in the paint, uh, muck, mucked him, didn't didn't guard him. Uh, yeah. we, we were living with him, shooting him, and he he was like, "Oh, he disrespected me," and he was shooting him, wasn't shooting a great clip, but 
from that, that was in 2019 to where he's come now, there's been a major improvement in his three-point shooting percentage. Like he's gotten much, much better, which has been great to see. But in this conference finals, 10%, not going to get it done. And I feel like he's a player when his shot's not falling, I think everything else kind of goes wayside. So very useful stat. And same with LeBron. You know, I think he's, his game changes. If he's knocked down a three or two and he's feeling good, if he's two for five or three for seven, it's a different beast, man because then you got to respect that and then he's going by you. So if, he, if he's not doing that, you can kind of uh, play off him a little bit and gap him and stay in front of him, which the Nuggets have done a fantastic job on. All right, next one. No team has ever come back after being down 0-3 pro. Useful, useless. Useful until somebody does it. It's definitely useful. Do you think it's going to happen this year? Fuck no. It's not going to happen <laughs> this year. No. That means it will happen for someone. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt about it. Yeah, no, uh, I say it's no. It's just not enough. Boston, forget it. They're done. And um, with the Lakers, look, the one thing about the Lakers, and they're not going to win, but they fought all year. I don't care if they're losing 10 in a row. I never thought that they quit. I always thought that they just weren't good enough. The Celtics, on multiple occasions this year, just quit. And just... They're sort of like the gold, Golden State a little bit where like Golden State never really showed me all year they were like consistently dominant or, you know, fighting in some ways. Boston, yeah, they had a good record and, and they played well, but they always had those lapses. And definitely in the playoffs, they've had those lapses. So Boston for sure is not going to win. I, I, the Lakers aren't either, but at least the Lakers fight. Like I said, they're they're a team you can get behind a little bit, you know, but just not good enough. Agree, um, agree. Yeah, I, I think it's a useful stat because it's not going to happen. Uh, on three, mm-hmm. you, you got to win four straight, and um, both teams. Well, no, sorry, Denver have home court. Mm-hmm. Miami kind of you can say they have home court because Game Four is there. So I don't see that happening. Last one, Boston this season have lost more games or they were the 10 point favorites than they have won straight up. Useful, useless. Uh, useful. And plus I think we need to investigate anybody who's putting the lines out. I remember after game one, <laughs> they were a 10 point favorite on Miami. And I'm like, how can they be a 10 point favorite? A, pl- a friend of mine was asking me, who would you take? And I was like, fucking Miami 10 point favorite. Are you fucking kidding me? You know, that's it's it's craziness. But yeah, I say it's useful. Well, they were still favorites. They were still yeah. favorites. Um Denver were the favorites and Miami was uh, sorry, Boston was second favorites for the championship as of pre the game three today. So that was a lot of bookies had them as number two still. I know in Australia they did a couple of a couple of bookies had them as number two, which was interesting. Um no respect for Miami. I mean, you know, there's I bet you there's still people thinking, not after today's performance, but I wouldn't be surprised there's people thinking, oh, Boston can still do it. But no, nah, if you watch today and you know anything about basketball, they look like they absolutely quit. But it'll be it'll be interesting. I think game four will go. I think Boston will come out with some fire. Um, but all it's going to take is, is is a bit of adver- a bit of adversity at the second third quarter, and that'll be enough, I think, for, for Miami to, to sweep that series. Um, that wraps out useful useless Q and A's real quick from Facebook. Joel Gehrig, do you see the NBL expanding again? And if so, what cities? Uh, there's been some media about this throughout the last year. We've spoken about it numerous times. I think Gold Coast has been spoken about. I think Canberra has been spoken about. Um, Newcastle has. I think a second Sydney team is going to happen. It's just a matter of matter of time and when. Um, I'm not sure exactly 
what the timeline's looking like, but I know that's on the on the list as well as for for, for discussions. Um, people have spoken about a second Perth team. I don't see that happening. I just don't think the population and everyone bleeds Wildcats out that way. So I think they're the four that I would go. I think the favourite out of those four, um, if I had to bet, I would say it's either Gold Coast or a second Sydney team if I was a betting man. Um, the other ones that was rumoured were Darwin was also rumoured, but I think that was a big, big push from the, for, for government funding and whatnot. If, if that happens, um, it'd have to be all turnkey, um, paid for by the government with facilities and whatnot. So I would say Gold Coast or Sydney in the next three or four years will be the next expansion team. Twitter, this one's from Twitter. You can ask this too, pro. We don't have one from Instagram. So Instagram people, lift your lift your game. There was no real <laughs> questions I could have could have posed on the sheet. Um, most of our, most of our listeners are on uh, Facebook and Twitter, funnily enough. But anyway, and my and my Instagram's heavily shadow banned, so that doesn't help. But Twitter, uh, with all the talk about John Moran's latest gunnings and what is a specific what is the specific clause that he violated? Is it a CBA clause or an NBA clause? That's from Stalin underscore zero. And this is an interesting question, pro. Because I asked this one, I think, on our pod. Um, we, we just started to discuss it. Look, what he did is ridiculously stupid, driving down a street in a car, flashing a gun again, right? Like the questions remain, are you are you licensed to have that gun? Are you blah, blah, blah. What state were you in? I mean, he could, he could probably lie about some of that stuff, even if he was in the wrong state where you can't carry a firearm. But if it was legally carried, bro, if he's in a state that you can legally carry a firearm, What's the clause in the CBA? I mean, is it, is it along the lines of gaming to disrepute? But then is it disrepute if your action is legal by the law? And this is the question I have is, say he does get suspended for 40 games or a season, I think the MBPA is going to have a case to try and get the money back. What are your thoughts? Well, we also have to talk about JJ Redick or not about his sort of going nuts about it, but... Here's the thing that set precedent, Bogues, in my opinion. It set precedent where the league suspended him eight games and they didn't really fight it like that, right? So you got eight games for the last incident. Now, I know he had a lot of things like getting a fight with that high school kid, going to the uh, the, the shoe store, um, and then the gun, th- you know, the gun stuff. But mm-hmm. they set precedent already. And, you know, if you like it or not, and so now he comes in and does this again so early in the whole process. I think that if they just come out and suspended him 40 games without that happening, you know, a couple months ago or whatever, then you have a big-time case. I think they're going to fight it. I think they're going to arbitrate it. But if you're okay, if you okayed the league suspending you for eight games, then – that's where I think that the MBPA would have – they don't have a lot of – I don't know. They don't have a lot of, like, legs to stand on with this, in my opinion. I think you got to take what you get. Now, again, depending on what they do, if they try a year or whatever and they fight that. But I think with the suspension and then so quickly doing it again, it's just bad for the league. You could you could talk about what law he broke and this and that, but like when you're okay with the suspension for eight and then you do it again, you open yourself up to a lot of stuff, and it's it, it's got nothing. In my opinion, it like what you said about the carry law and everything like that. Yeah, that's all true, 
And if if this was the first time and they they they're trying to get you a year or whatever, but I don't I think that you know I think it's going to be a, a severe penalty, and like I said, they could probably get a little money back, but it's not like he's going to come out of this clean. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Like like I said, there's so much around what state was he in? Does he have a concealed carry permit? Are you allowed to then flash it on camera? I, I have no idea. Because it's so, you know, US is state to state with these laws, with, with what you can do and what you can't do. I just know if they argue what he did was, yeah, it wasn't a good look, but is it technically illegal? That's where the gray, gray line could be. And then they might have a case to try and get some money back. Um, we've seen it before with numerous instances of suspensions. I just wonder if they'll try to pull that. And, and for reference, your JJ Reddick thing, I mean, he was, he was heavily de- defending him. Um, just basically saying like, what's the big deal? It's not fair. Um, not condoning the behavior. I'm not saying there should be no punishment. There should be consequences. You're the face of the league. You're representing the NBA. You're a role model, blah, blah, blah. Um, but he also said, we've got mass shooting after mass shooting and nobody's doing a damn thing about it. So I get why everyone is sensitive right now, but there's no consequences for this politician, Greg Abbott, telling his constituents that they should go buy more guns. Then when we have mass shooting after mass shooting in Texas, there's no consequence for an elected Tennessee official to send out a Christmas card holding AR-15s with a young family and then there's a shooting in his very district. So there's no consequences for that. So why are we trying to lay the hammer down on a 23-year-old who didn't break the law? That was JJ Reddick's take. So he's conflating politics and the NBA and sport as we always do. Take an interesting standard. But for me, look, if this is a one-off, as we've said, you know, we gave him the benefit of the doubt, right? The first time, like a month ago, we are like, you know what? Idiot, screwed up, slap on the wrist. Eight, you know, eight games. We're all going to forgive you if you move on and grow from it. What's unforgivable is you doing it again. Now, to the question that was asked, is it technically illegal? That's going to be it. That's yet to be seen. I think he might recover some money. By the way, did you see John Morant's apology the second time? That's funny, folks. So I went on um, Frank Isola and Brian Scale bringing, uh, I called in the radio show and I said, as a caller or an interviewer? As a caller. As a caller. <laughs> you one of those guys that calls in, hey, you dumb. Because those no, those two guys are hilarious. They're funny. And and like yeah. so I'm I have to drive like 40 minutes to the workout uh gym, the Mark Cuban Center where I work out these pro guys for the draft. So I I listen to these guys and they're funny. They're a really good show. Besides ours, it's my favorite show. And they they were you know I just call in just for Tom Fullery I always fuck with him, and I called in I said there's an MIT study that's done where if an asteroid hit the Earth there'd be three things that survive cockroaches heat Miami Heat culture in insincere apologies from NBA players written by their lawyers after they fuck up or well, mess up because I can't swear on the radio and it's true it's a I mean first of all he didn't write it. He didn't see it. No, but you didn't see where it was from? Oh, I heard that. Was that the AI thing? Yes, it was yeah. word for word from chat GPT. I'm not, I'm not shitting you. Yeah. So if you typed in on chat GPT, I've made a big mistake. Write yeah. me a heartfelt apology. It had everything line for line. Like, it was unbelievable. Like, it was, was literally- legit, you think, folks? <laughs> I did see that. Was that legit? Or do you think somebody made that up? No, I think it's pretty close to legit. Like it was, okay. if you, if because because you can go on Chat GPT and, t- and and ask for it yourself. It's going to give you roughly the same well, thing, and the words used and the exact sentence structure was like 
So either he's done it or his lawyer's like, ah, well, when you, Chad when GPT, you, give me an apology for another NBA player of mine that's got in trouble. Yep, you know, give him this. Well, when you, <laughs> like, get, when you get, when you get, when you choose your representation and your lawyer based on a billboard next to strip clubs near the, near the airport in Memphis, that's what you get a guy who looks it up on Chat GPT instead of fucking, you know, writing something that, you know, people would actually want to see. But I love the same thing. I'm working on myself, but I've let you down. Blah blah blah. It's always the same shit. It's always the same shit. And yeah, I, I agree. But it's just yeah. funny that it was, it was a chat no GPT. Doubt. So no doubt. AI. We'll man. see. And, and JJ, JJ has to take that route if he wants to continue to be cool with the players while being in the media. So yeah. I, I understand why he's doing it. You want to keep getting guys on your show. Yeah. You better be nice to the players, otherwise you get a bad name. So he's, he's he plays the game very well, old JJ Reddick. I'll, I'll give him that much, and hopefully, hopefully you've unblocked him since then, Which, bro. But no, we'll, I haven't. And JJ. He likes to lecture us about, like, if you didn't play, you don't understand. He's done it many a times to people on his show and just to the audience. Well, something that ex-players don't understand, when you're running a league and you're running a team, you like it's not what other people got away with versus what your players or staff or coaches get away with. You have to set precedent of being professional in the league. All right. So when a player is given a second chance, which they should have suspended him for the whole playoffs, but they gave him a second chance. You could say that Adam Silver's soft on players, and you're true. True to that. He is. But he gave him a chance and he fucked it up again. So instead of saying, well, this guy got away with it, this political guy, this politician, like it's not about, oh, he's a good guy. Let's give him another chance, you know. You know, look, other people are doing it. No, like your league is worth billions of dollars. And there's a there's a, a standard that you have to live up to. Everybody does, from coaches to players to management to ownership. And that, look, we've gotten rid of people in ownership that have not been doing the right thing morally. And it does it has nothing to do with what's going on in the world. That's their own bubble. And you can't fucking you can't lecture us about player. You know if you you don't understand if you're not a player. No, like this is what gets fucked up when you let guys have eight chances, nine chances, and they keep doing it. You gotta slap this guy on the wrist hard, and you gotta make it like no one else is gonna do this. Because look, you could own a gun, you could carry a gun, like you could shoot it at a shooting range. You could have one at your house. But when you're waving it around on social media, regardless of your rules of what's what's legal, what's not legal, it's not a good look for the league. It isn't, and that's what. Especially I'm with the saying. history of the league, yeah. the history with there's been former players that have been involved in shootings. Well, at then current players that were involved in shootings while they're on rosters. There's the Gilbert Arenas incident, so yeah. it is a touchy subject. And I think to Jay, you know if I'm going to debate JJ's point is the unfortunate reality is as an athlete, you're held to a higher standard. That's why it's a Steve Kerr, you know, comment he used to make to us. You guys are paid a crazy amount of money, not just to put the ball in the hoop because, you know, everyday luxuries go out the window. You, some people can't go out. Like Steph Curry can't just go down to his local supermarket and get some goods. He can't just walk down the street, you know, like blah, blah, blah. There's the extortion attempts on a lot of professional athletes nonstop. There's, you got to watch the female side of things for, for you know, a bit of entrapment here and there and and, and all that kind of stuff. Kyrie so Irving. That's, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, that's, that's the difference. It's like you have to, 
you're, you're held at a higher standard. Is that fair? Probably not. Like that you shouldn't be able to be a regular Joe, but you're not a regular Joe, right? And Charles Barkley said it right. Like if you, if you want to go and do that, just forego your NBA career and go find another career and you can do that as much as you want. And that's, you know, people disagree with Chuck and he's, he's a one side, of the, one side of the coin guy, right? He's got his view and that's it. But I agree with him. It's like, and when you're in the moment, sometimes I can't be a hypocrite. When I was in the moment as a player, sometimes you don't understand it. You're like, I want to do regular yeah, things. And you're like, exactly. well, I want to go skydiving. Well, I probably can't because my contract says that if I get hurt, then, you know, so I want to go ride a trail bike or a motorbike or blah, blah, blah. Well, I can't because, so do I want to give up the 10, 12, 15 million dollars a year to go and do those things without a job? Probably not. <laughs> like most people will probably, you know what? I'll take the money. I understand I can't do this once I retire. I can have fun with all that. But when I'm in my bog of my career, I probably shouldn't do that because it says I can't. And now that sucks sometimes being told what to do as a grown man. But you have to think about it from the team's perspective. Like they've got a brand. They've got the Grizzlies are trying to sell to young, young families that have young kids. And the NBA is trying to branch out to kids all around the world. It's, it's not a great look and it hurts their brand. So I, I totally... I totally understand it um, and I think JJ's point around that to bring, you know, other politicians' views into that conversation just because he's 23, it's it was a pointless comparison and the fact that this is the second time he's done it in a month. <laughs> like it's like <laughs> we're defending the indefendable, uh, undefendable really. So that's what I think. What do you got this week on uh, fact or fake news for us? I just got one, folks. Bob Myers will end up with the Golden State Warriors next year. Fact or fake news? Oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Oh, man. I don't know. I, I, I'm starting to lean towards he won't just because what's what's the holdup? Um, I would have said it'll get done eventually. You know, just there's a bit of bargaining, negotiating. But I wonder if those reports are true that it has been – offered that it's the highest salary. That That's the one thing. If, if that's true and he said no, um, I would say fake news is not going to be with the Golden State Warriors. Um, but if that report is true, is, isn't true, then I think there's still a chance they're still negotiating and, and, and Bob obviously wants to be compensated much more than anyone else. And rightfully so. I think he's built a, a dynasty down there and should be rewarded for it, just like a few of their free agents want to be rewarded. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually side with trusting that report and I'm going to say fake news. Bob Myers is not with Golden State next season. I say it's a tough one too, Bogues, right? Because a couple of things, right? Look, he did a great job assembling some things there for sure. Drafted guys, you know, brought in pieces, ran the team without question. But it's really hard to leave that to go. Look, it might be over for championships for him. You never know, right? For Golden State or or even somewhere else. But like, you could be the highest paid guy, be in California. Now, it's not going to be fun if this thing keeps on going down and down and down every year. But then you have to go to another team and it might you might never be able to strike, you know, strike lightning, you know, get catch lightning in a bottle either. So I don't know, man. I'm I'm conflicted. If he has said no to the highest paid, you know, GM spot. Here's the thing. I, I say it's fact. Oh, it's fake news. He won't because Lakeham's got a kid that's in the front office. And I think that as a dad, it's almost impossible to be impartial to your son or daughter. You know, so I think that, that he's probably pushing, you know, slightly, you know, maybe even behind closed doors that he wants his son to run the team. 
and you know, fair and then point. he's gonna go elsewhere. Maybe take a year that's off. A, that's a fair point. Yeah, that's a fair so, point. I, mean, I say Blake fake. He's next in line. Yeah. You, th- yeah, you think he's not going to be back? Yeah, I mean, at first, to be honest with you, about three sentences ago, I thought he was, and then I thought to myself, "Wait a minute!" Like I started, like I started going through my rolodex of who's in the front office, and I'm like, "Oh man, his son's there." You know, the only one that could fight off a son is Pat Riley, Mickey Harrison, <laughs> uh, the the, the yeah. owner of the Heat. His son's in the front office. I he was a manager at Duke uh, like a decade ago, and I'm like, there's no way this guy's not going to be running this team within five or six years. Pat Riley is the only one that could fight off a sibling of the owner, but I, I think it's a really tough thing to do. Um, I I think that. I think that Myers will end up somewhere else. I don't know where that is. I've even heard, I've even heard possibly the Clippers, but you know, and and being president of California guy, yeah, is a California guy, UCLA and great dude. I I met him. I think he represented Perkins when we drafted Perkins in Boston. We picked him up in a limo and you know just just. I've only talked to him one time in my life. That was the only time. I thought he was a good dude. And um, he was just getting into the agent business then, and just an interesting guy. He's done a good job, good person. There's not one person ever that I ever talked to that says I hate Bob Myers. Always does a good job. Always professional. Always good in the public eye. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe his thoughts and beliefs are a little different here, and maybe he wants to well, try I know, to. I know he was worn out. I know the whole. I know Draymond, Katie era, KD you know, too, all yeah. that. And then coming back, and then I think it's look winning at that level's exhausting. You know, people think that that losing's exhausting. Like we discussed last week, you're almost better being like a 10, 11, 12, You know, seed. We laugh about it, but it's true because you're done in April. <laughs> you have May, June, July, August, September, and then you're back in the season, right? You get five to six months off, completely away from the game. Although they're doing stuff in the in the, in the draft room and whatnot, but you, you're away from the the, the bubble of being in a series and being dissected, uh, you know, right now people are calling like what's going on with Boston, their GM didn't make a mistake, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, Golden State were in that conversation every month of the year, the last 10 years, besides that one season they bombed out, right? So that becomes exhausting. And I think um, that plays a part, but I, yeah, I'm kind of debating with myself, but I think the fact that it hasn't been signed, if they've offered, if it's true that they've offered him what would be the highest paid executive, I don't know if that's a leak from their end, you know, Joe Lacob's in the ownership. Who knows? But if they've offered him that and he hasn't taken it, I'm scratching my head and saying, what the hell's going on? There's something else going on here. Because um, I can't see Bob saying, oh, I want double that. Like, you know. Nah. It's, 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 he's a, so maybe, maybe it is a new a new challenge, a new journey. Maybe Bob sees, hey, shit, like we're, you know, Steph's mid-30s, Clay, what do we do with Clay? What do we do with Draymond? Do I want to be that guy seen as being part of not bringing one of those get back or, or having to trade one of those guys? Do I want to be seen as that guy? Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's like, you know what? Four chips in a decade. I'm good with all the guys. I don't have to make the hard decisions now. I'm going to move on somewhere else and make hard decisions, rebuilding a club rather than dismantling where it's at. That could be part of the motivation too. So yeah. we'll be interesting, pro. Yeah, right. it, is. it is. See you next week. What do you got? No, that's it, folks. That's it. I'll see you uh, next week. More games to watch. Do your study. And uh, hopefully we'll have a, a Denver-Miami finals. Just, you know, an Adam Silver somewhere is popping a champagne cork as we speak with that with that matchup. <laughs> yeah, the ratings uh, will be popping, I'll tell you that. All right, man. See ya. Later. Let's get rogue.